Well, we are continuing, as Pastor Aaron said in our series, and if you take out your bulletin, you'll see that we've been talking about God's love and entitled our series, For God So Loved the World. And we're going to be talking today about uh, the power of God's love and how that affects us and what that does for us. I do want to welcome those who are in our extension, uh, our extended sanctuary right now, and they're in there so that they can give up their seats in here so that more people can be in here. And we're getting ready for our Easter season next week, so thank you for those who are in our extended sanctuary and so that we can make room in here. Well, next week, when Easter is here, for those who call New Hope their home, that's what we're doing. We're making our fellowship hall available for us to be in so the people that we invite will be able to sit in here. And just like our home, when we invite guests, we give them the best seats And I know for some of us, it may be difficult because you're thinking, but I don't want to sit in there. I want to be where the action is at. The Spirit of God is everywhere, and we will be okay being in the extended sanctuary. So I'm going to encourage you, if you can, be in the extended sanctuary. But if you've just recently been coming to New Hope, then by all means, this this has been set up for you that you can attend in here. Now, if you invite someone, and that's their first time next week, Don't say, okay, you go in there. I'm going to be in here. Good luck. Don't do that. Please sit with them. That's just for those that, uh, you know, we serve and we're we're going to be uh, able to be in the extended sanctuary. Okay? We're good with that? Okay. Amen. Well, we're going to jump into our message and we're going to be talking about what Christ came to do. Because to know Christ and to see what Christ did, we'll understand the power of God's love. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's how the Bible puts it. And many of us, we were once lost or we were far from God, but then we've been brought near to God by Jesus Christ. And now God has given us this message to let everyone know that we can be in a relationship with God. Or as the Bible puts it, God has given us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Now we can be brought near to God. And God gave us that assignment to bring others to Him. And this morning, we're going to be encouraged to be a part of the great harvest of bringing people to Jesus in the hopes that they find Christ, in the hopes that they recognize Him as their Lord and Savior. Many of us who were once far from God, or as the Bible puts it, we were once lost and now we're found, we know the joy of finding Christ and accepting Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn that we're, we're built in such a way and we're designed in such a way that we're not only to just receive Christ and then that's it. It's so that we can let other people know. And then the hope is that they would come to know Christ. And then we all grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then we get to be built up as the body of Christ. Have you ever lost something that was so valuable to you? Think about it. If you ever lost something that was valuable to you, uh, your phone, your keys, uh, if you have an organizer or a calendar system, or you lose something like your credit card or your license, and maybe you lose your license two days before you're going to go travel, and you lose your license, you're frantic, or you lose a child shopping. You're frantic trying to find what was lost. I remember a while ago when we had these, well, some of you still use an organizer, but I used to use an organizer and write all my appointments in the calendar. I would write everyone's phone number in there. And back in the day before we had smartphones, 
we had to memorize people's numbers. Imagine that. You had to remember all your friends' numbers. And we would memorize their numbers. Today, we probably don't even know our spouse's phone number. And if you do, praise God. If you don't, you better memorize it because they're going to ask you, what's my number? What's my number? What's my number? Tell me my number. And don't give them a wrong number because that's dead meat. But we had to remember people's numbers. And that organizer was so valuable because it had all our information in there. Well, I lost mine. And I remember we went shopping that day. So we had to backtrack and go to all the stores that we were shopping at. Well, finally, we went to the store that they found it. And I was so thankful that they found it. But the money was gone. Somebody took the money. But my license was in there. My credit card was still in there. And all my important information was in there. Money, I could replace that. It was like $40 or something or $80. uh, Still a lot of money. But I was thankful that the most important things were still there. Did you know that God lost something long ago. He once had this perfect relationship with people. And because of sin and disobedience, we were separated from God. And so now we were distant from God because He's a holy and perfect God. Therefore, our sin and disobedience separated us from God. And ever since then, God has been on the lookout for people that are far from Him. Why? Because we're that valuable to God. Other things can happen in the world, but people matter most to God. He's on the hunt, the lookout, on the assignment for people. Now, many of us, we've come to know God through Jesus Christ. We were once lost, but now we're found. What happens after we're found? Does that mean we're done and that's it? That God's happy? Okay, we're in a relationship with God? No. God now uses us to find lost people. Why? Because people will relate to people quicker than they can to God. They'll be able to relate to us as human beings quicker than they relate to an invisible God. That's why God sent Jesus Christ in human form, because we can relate to a person. So God came as a human being. And now that we're saved, we call it, we now have eternal life with him. He says, you're not done yet. You now have an assignment to go out and let everybody know about me, because they're still lost people. That's why Christ came. If you look at your notes in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his assignment. We were separated from God, but now we're brought near to him because of what Jesus has done. It's his sacrifice that brought us back to God. And now he's given us that message to reconcile other people to God. We were once lost. But now we're found. But once we're found, it's now our turn to partner with God to find people who are just like us, far from God. That's why as Christians, we're not the ones to judge people because we were once there. We're to love people to bring them closer to God. Never forget who you are. Never forget where you came from. Always remember, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Many of us were there. Now we're found. 
Now we remember who we are in Him. We're now found with the assignment to reach out to people who need to find Christ. The first thing, if you're writing notes, can you write this in? To remember who I am in Christ. Remember who I am in the Lord. All the talent that I have, all the giftings that I have, everything He's making us to be, it's to be used for Him. Remember who I am in the Lord. Everything that you've been through, every point in your life that has been a struggle, everything that we go through, He strengthens us through so that we now can come to a place in our life that we can help other people find Him and to find His hope. Now, if you read the Bible, you'll see that theme throughout the entire Bible, that God is looking for people to build a relationship with for all of eternity. You're going to hear two terms in the Bible, two groups of people every so often if you're reading the Bible. And and sometimes you wonder, I don't know what that means. You'll hear these two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. And you read that and you wonder, okay, what's the difference between Jews and Gentiles? Is it just a race? Is it just a type of people? What does it mean? I'm going to read this scripture and then I'll explain it, what the difference is with Jews and Gentiles and what this scripture is all about in remembering who we are in the Lord. And it's found in Ephesians 2.11. And it's in your notes. And it says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So let me illustrate it in this way. God chose a certain people called the Jews. Not to exclude everyone else from being a part of the relationship with God, not to be a part of the family of God, but he called this people to represent God so that everyone else would see the lifestyle of the Jews, see what God did through this nation and through these people, and then everyone else on the outside would say, wait a minute, there is a God. These people know the living God. And many surrounding nations came to know God through the Jews. These surrounding people, everyone else but the Jews, were called Gentiles. That was non-Jews. Those were the Gentiles. Well, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, No longer will there be Jew or Gentile, but now you'll be one body. So what Jesus came to do is he came to bring everyone together as one body through his blood. That's what Jesus came to do. So they're no longer Jew or Gentile. They're one body. God's chosen people, the Jews, were chosen not to exclude everyone, but to include everyone. 
to be a representative of who he is. That's why they're called God's chosen people. So that they could show how good God is. And so now you have the Jews and Gentiles. I would look at it in this way, just to bring it a little bit closer to home. It's like if you're from Hawaii or you're from the Hawaiian race and you understand the culture and you understand uh, what it means to take care of the aina or take care of the land and you have respect for your elders and you understand the culture of family. You may have someone who is an outsider or a foreigner or we call them haole. Let me clarify this. Haole does not mean white person. It means foreigner. So even people from Hawaii, if you've lived here for a while and you're not of the Hawaiian ancestry or descendant of Hawaiian, the Hawaiian race, then we have some foreign ethnicities in us. So some of us, even though we've lived here, we still have Haole. We're still foreigners. So... Now, not to get into Hawaiian versus Haole. Don't go there, okay? Because that's not what it's about. But watch this. If a foreigner comes here, and you grew up here, and you see them just chopping down tea leaves, just chopping down plants, uh, they're on the pond of a stretch, uh, just throwing rubbish and littering, you get upset because they're a foreigner. Or you get upset because they're defiling the land. Sometimes even local people will do that. They'll disrespect the land and that upsets you. That's because you understand the culture. There may be some cultures where that's okay. They can do whatever they want. But when it becomes your home, it's different. Well, God has called us Christians Christ followers or his disciples, one who follows Jesus Christ. The reason why we need to understand this is because there's many people on the outside that don't understand God yet. And he says, you're the ones who is supposed to set the example. You're the ones who is supposed to set the example for the foreigners. And what God came to do with the Jews and Gentiles is he brought them together so that they become one. In other words, Hawaiians and Haoles get along. That's what he's saying. Now, I'm just using Hawaiian and Haole as an illustration, okay? So don't leave here all mad and, oh, how come the Hawaiians, how come the Haoles? No, 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 no. Just as an illustration. I think we can understand that. That's what it was like with the Jews and Gentiles. So when Jesus came on the scene and he said, you Jews need to set the example for the foreigners. That's kind of what he was saying for us as local people, that you need to set the example for the outsiders. Yeah, but they're littering, they're disrespecting the land, and they, they, you know, they're saying this and that about our people. Yeah, but you're supposed to love them. That's what they were dealing with back then. But that's who God called us today. He says, you are my followers. And there's many people out there that we call unbelievers. They don't understand the Christian culture. They don't understand the ways of God. So instead of us excluding everyone else and saying, okay, we're, good, we're set here. I'm okay with just being among the body of Christ and among our people. He says, no, you're missing the point. 
It's not so that you stay here. It's so that you go out here and include everyone else to know my love. That's the power of God's love. It's through us. And he calls us to bring this message. And the Bible calls them uncircumcised heathen. Now let me explain that just real quickly because it will tie into this. When he used that term uncircumcised heathen, what happened was circumcision were of the Jews. That's what set them apart from the rest of the nations. That was God's chosen people. And the reason why it was circumcision was because they had the foreign nations who had their temples. And at their temples, they had temple prostitutes. Because most of their gods were gods of fertility. So they would have that kind of worship. And so they had temple prostitutes. And so he said to the Jews, you to be circumcised because I don't want you mingling with those nations and their pagan worship. So that's how they would be identified. If a Jew came to the temple prostitute, the prostitute would know. And they would say, you don't belong here. You are a Jew. You're not supposed to mingle in with us. God did that to set, us up, to set them apart. And now Jesus said, it's no longer the circumcision of the flesh. Now it's a circumcision of the heart. That you're cutting away your flesh so your heart follows me. That's why many people will say it in this way. They kind of say the same thing. They'll say to us as Christians, you're a Christian and you do that? It's kind of the same thing that the temple prostitutes would say. That, wait a minute, you're a Jew. You're not supposed to be doing this. And so we actually lose credibility because as Christians, we know what we're supposed to be doing. And God says, I'm using you. To spread the message of hope to everyone else. I want to use you so that other people will recognize my spirit and glorify me and come to know me as Lord and Savior. That they will have a chance to be adopted into my family. This is how 2 Corinthians puts it in 5.19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Remember who we are in Him. We are the ones given this message, this wonderful message of of reconciliation. We're the only ones who has this message of hope in Jesus. We're the only ones. Therefore, not just remember who we are, but be the type of people who are not ashamed of Christ. Don't be ashamed of who we are in Jesus Christ. You can write that in number two. If you are taking notes, don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Now you might think to yourself, okay, so why should I not be ashamed? What's the problem with, with being ashamed or not ashamed? Well, Romans 1.16 puts it like this. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So it's the same term, Jews, and then everyone else. Or in that arena that they were addressing the Romans, they were talking about the Greeks because that was, that was the people right there at that time. But he means the same thing, Jews and everyone else. He said that's the power of God unto salvation when you're not ashamed of him. See, if we're ashamed of Jesus Christ and what He's doing in us, then we are powerless to make an impact in someone else's life. We're not just to attend church, sit, listen, and then go home. 
We're to become Christ's ambassadors or people who represent him so that people can come to know Christ. That's why he's called us to be his people. That's why he saved us. That's why the moment you receive Jesus Christ, you're still alive. You can pray and say, Lord, I give you my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And you open your eyes. You're not going to be in heaven. Because that's not God's only goal to get us to heaven. When we're done receiving Christ, now we're on a mission to find people who have yet to find Christ. Because they are lost without Christ. When we were lost without Christ, we never knew we were lost until we found Christ. Because we're used to it. Oh, we're used to the wilderness. We're used to being outside of the shepherd's fold. We're used to being without the greatest um, uh, of, of pasture lands. We, we make with what we have outside of Christ and we make it work. Problem with that is I don't know I'm lost because I survive without Christ. And I try my best spiritually to survive without Christ. I'll try everything else but Christ. But once I find Christ... And my eyes are open and I realize how good it is to be with Christ, understanding I was lost. He opens our eyes. He gives us power through not being ashamed of Jesus Christ. See, God's power works through us when we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us will be ashamed of Jesus Christ and we don't know why. We'll say, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I don't tell people more about what Christ is doing in my life. I don't know why. Because there's opportunities. But you know, some of the main reasons why we're ashamed of Jesus Christ or why sometimes we, we hesitate telling someone is because of the media, mistakes, or misconceptions. We'll watch TV and, and, and we'll see fanatics go crazy and then everyone will put us in one category as Christians. And then we'll see that and we'll say, oh man, they're making us look bad. Or we make mistakes and we make ourselves look bad. And then we don't want to tell people that I know Christ because they know what I do behind the scenes. So I, I, I can't say, hey, you guys, you guys, you come to church. It's wonderful. Christ sets me free from my past. But then they look at my life and they say, really? Hmm. So we're ashamed of Christ because of our own mistakes. But Christ came to set us free from that. And we're free from our mistakes or misconceptions. That they'll look at our life and say, and we're growing as a Christian. We're not perfect. And not to use that as an excuse. But really, we're, we don't forget we're Christians. We forget we're human beings. And so we make mistakes. And then someone says, well, I thought you were supposed to be Christian. You know, I'm trying my best. I'm growing in the Lord. It's like a brand new football player or NBA star that, that they're a rookie. Sometimes in the beginning, they're not the greatest. But you watch them over the course of years, they become legends. In our walk with Christ, we may not be the greatest in the beginning. But as we continue to walk with Him, He uses us to perfection in His name. Not to make us perfect, but that He's perfecting us. It's a process. So people have misconceptions. They think, oh, if we are Christians, we're not supposed to make mistakes, that everything's perfect after that. No, 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 no. We never become perfect until we get to heaven, which is the perfect place. That's why we need Jesus. 
So don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark 8.38, it tells us, For whoever is ashamed of me, and Jesus is speaking these words, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You know what Jesus is saying? That if we're ashamed of him, this adulterous and sinful generation will not get to know God. They will not have the opportunity to know God because we're ashamed of Him. And if we're ashamed of Him, He's going to be ashamed of us not letting everybody else know in this adulterous and sinful generation how good He is. And He says, you're the ones. I chose you. Don't fall prey to the strategy of the enemy and thinking that being a Christian is a shameful thing. Being a follower of Jesus Christ should make us the proudest people. Being a follower of Jesus Christ, I should be proud of that. It should be a privilege to know Jesus Christ. It should be an honor for us to be recognized as people who follow Jesus Christ. I shouldn't be ashamed of that. I should be grateful for that. Because one day, even though someone may ridicule me about my faith, one day they'll be in the most darkest pits of life. And the only light they will see is your life. They'll be in the most darkest points of their life and they'll be reaching out. They'll be saying, God, help me, help me, help me. God, help me. Help me to to get straight. Help me with my family. Help me with my children. So-and-so is dying. Someone needs prayer. And they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, your name will pop up. Why? Because you're the only light they know. And they'll say, I can ask so-and-so. And you watch. They will ask you, even though they may have ridiculed you, you keep following Jesus Christ, one day they'll say, hey, you know, Um, so-and-so is not feeling well. I was wondering if you could pray. And instead of saying, oh, now you like God? Now you want to know God? Now when you're in the darkest pits, now you like knowing too bad. I know you want to say that. You want to say, I told you. I told you so. Now what? Eh? Now what? Eh? Lickens, eh? No. We say, absolutely. I would love to pray for you or with your family or whatever it would be. Why? Because we're the hope that God uses in this world. It's not in me, in us, that people put their hope in. It's the hope we have in us, in Christ Jesus, that we lead people towards. Because hope in this world dies. He's the only living hope. Your last point, and you can write this in, be a representative of hope. Be a representative of hope. Be the person that people can look to That they'll say, boy, they've been through a lot, but they know where to find hope. See, the hope that we used to know of in the world dies. We would put our hope in our job, in our finances, in a person. All those things will die. Ask those who invested tons of money in the housing market years ago how hope dies. Ask the investors who in Wall Street put all their finances into this one investment. And when the stock market crashed, their hope died. They're still trying to recover from that lost hope. Some of us have put our hope into people. But we don't last. But you know what is interesting? For those who may have lost their job, lost a loved one, lost their finances, lost their homes... When their hope was in Christ, even though all was lost, they still have hope. 
They have hope that they'll see their loved ones one day. They have hope that God will provide. They have hope that God will keep their foundation strong. Because it's in Him. And He calls us, the church, to represent His hope. Because the hope the world knows dies. We have a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the hope we have is grounded in a living hope, Jesus Christ. Our hope does not die. If your hope is in Jesus Christ, then your hope is alive. Your hope does not die. If you put your hope into anything else, it will die. If your hope is in another human being, if your hope is in your credit score, your income, your influence, your job, home equity, all of that will die. It's our hope in Christ that abides forever. And because our hope were in things that die, you'll feel the loss of hope. But if you know Christ and your hope is in Him, these things can die. But we'll still have a living hope because it's built on Christ. The world is starving for hope. And when you bring that hope, they'll light up because they understand now that they were once lost, but now they have hope. Hope is kind of like when you're starving and you're at work and your spouse brings you food. Oh, that moment of eye contact with your plate lunch changes everything. I had to kind of switch that because when Heidi would bring me food, I would see the food first and she would say, hey, right here, right here. (laughs) Me first, not the food. It's like when you go to McDonald's and you eat fries on the way home and it's all done, but you look in the package, there's like three fries left. Oh, that's hope. (laughs) It, It just has that feeling of hope. And so that's what people feel when they see Christians with hope. They once were without, but they see someone with joy that is living. They see a relationship of a marriage that although bumpy from time to time, it's living. And people have hope for their marriage. People see a family that went through so many turmoils and, and, and destruction and Devastation, but it's still alive and well, people see hope for their family. Why? Because we have the hope that never dies. And Jesus shows us the importance of being a representative of hope to lost people, people who are far from God. It's in Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. And he says, What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray... Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. What God is saying, what Christ is saying in here, is imagine the one lost sheep When it goes astray. That it's far from the shepherd, far from the fold, far from the pasture, and has to scrounge in the wilderness. He's saying, imagine this one lost sheep, that when he's looking for food, not realizing it's lost, that he hears the shepherd's voice. And then this sheep looks up. 
And the hope that this sheep now has, because the shepherd has now found the sheep. And when that sheep looks up, and although he may go through some emotions like, where he was, where he was, or they stay, whatever it would be, the sheep is found. Sorry. But imagine the shepherd. Imagine the shepherd who is traveling distant lands to find that one lost sheep. And when they make that connection, the joy of the shepherd and the sheep. And the Bible puts it in this way. That there is joy over one sinner that repents than over the 99 that are already saved. And all of heaven rejoices. There's a party that goes on in heaven when we find lost people. I'm going to ask our team to come out. And the hope that we have in this song, we just want to minister to all of us in this time. And as the Bible puts it, to commission us, or the great commission that the Bible gives to us, to go and make disciples, to go out there and find people who are far from God. And our prayer is that we would, we would accept this assignment from God and accept the fact that when God speaks to us, then we're the ones who say, yes, I will go. Because God will put someone on your heart during this song. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the power of God. Will we be the ones to help God find that one lost lamb? I want you to take out this card that is in your bulletin right now. And if we could all hang on to this and we'll pray in a little bit. But I want all of us to take a hold of this. And some of you have been here for the past couple of weeks. And so you have a couple of these. But we talked about this some weeks ago, that every one of these represents a soul. That it represents someone who is out there who is lost without Christ. And it just simply says, what is the reason for the hope you have in Jesus? And that's speaking to the card holder. And on the inside, it says, how have you shared your hope? And if you can open that up, how have you shared your hope? And then if you take off this card right here, Right under that, it says, I'm praying. And you put someone's name in there that they would know is hope. And then you give them this invitation. It has all of the service times during this Easter season. Tonight's Easter celebration kickoff. And then our Wednesday and Friday night plays. And then our Sunday morning Easter service. And then we hang on to this. And we pray for the person we put in here. Just this morning, someone told me they've been praying for someone. And that they would attend our Easter service. They came this morning to attend service. And I think when we understand that God is doing something, that He wants to use us, it goes beyond us. But when people find God, it makes a difference, not just in the kingdom of God, but for that one person who was once lost, but is now found. So take those invitations and God will put a person on your heart. Write those names and pray that they would find Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning as we conclude our service, I know there's many people here this morning that maybe they've been brought near right now. And now they, they are between wanting to know you, but not knowing how to know you as their God. 
And it's through the person of Jesus Christ that we find you. And so I pray for anyone this morning that if they've never received Jesus, that right now would be their opportunity to pray to you and receive you as their God. And if there's anyone here this morning that has never said yes to Jesus Christ, but you feel that tugging on your heart, you feel that that God has brought you to this point, this place in your life, for some reason... And now you feel that pull on your heart from God. The reason is because He loves you. That's the power of His love. He'll orchestrate many things to bring you to a place of cleansing, of forgiveness, of repentance, of a new life, a new start, a brand new future. He's that good and that loving. And so I'm going to say a prayer and you can repeat after me, mean it with all your heart in giving your life to Jesus Christ. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I believe in you, Jesus. That you died on the cross. And you rose again. To give me eternal life. And so I give my life to you. In Jesus' name with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said that prayer for the very first time, I would love to pray for you. If you could just lift a hand real quick and I'll, I'll pray God's blessing over you. If you just said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time, if you could just lift a hand real briefly. Good, God bless you. God sees your hand. Anybody else, you said yes. God bless you. Good, you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. God bless you back there. God sees your hands. He sees your hand. He sees your heart. God bless you. Anybody else, you said yes to Jesus. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you, that right now, if they could imagine all of heaven rejoicing, because they were lost and now they're found. And so I pray for their walk with you, that their relationship with you will continue to thrive, that they will remember how incredibly important they are to you. And that's the power of your love. I pray for all of us this morning that we would be people who remember who we are. That we would be representatives of your hope. That we wouldn't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Because that's the power that is unto salvation. Commission us, Lord, to go into all the world. To let people know of hope and the power of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.